I've been feeling vibes all day. I've been feeling vibes all night. Let me breathe and meditate. Elevators, that all right? It's energy. Vibes, 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 energy. Vibes, 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 energy. Vibes, 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 energy. Try to reach everybody, but I can't reach everybody. I may not be called. Hey, what's going on, good people? It's your girl, too hard away, and it's Michael Basil. Yeah, yeah, and we are the Did It for the Hood podcast. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Back again, one more time for you. We loved you. We miss you as per usual. I'm gonna pass this one off to Mike because unfortunately, I'm the subject of this interview. So. <laughs> yeah. So, if y'all don't know by now, T Hustle, T Hardaway, five six one, as she likes to go by. Isn't just my cousin, manager, and resource. She's also a housing strategist. She's from Palm Beach County, Florida, representing for the 561 all day, every day. And she's also the owner of Did It For The Hood. So without further ado, I want to give a warm welcome. Y'all give a warm welcome to the one, the only, T Hardaway 561. You're putting a lot of sauce on this today. Listen, you got to put that sauce on. I got the salt, the pepper, I got the the basil, the whatever you need. I appreciate you. I appreciate Hey, you, you know what I'm saying? But let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Who is T. Hardaway? T. Hardaway is, um, shoot, just a, a student of life, I guess you could say. A person that's here by grace. Um, I am a, a daughter I'm a, a student of life. I'm a um, Diane's child. Um, I don't know who is T. Hardaway. That's a big question. Give me another question. All right. So, <laughs> who is T. Hardaway? Like, what does that mean? Okay. Like, who? Like, what makes you you? I start. Oh, what makes me me? Yeah. Um. You know what? I don't know. A lot of times I always say that I'm not from here. When I see uh, the way that people operate and move around in the world, I'm like, I know I'm not from here. I know I got to be from somewhere else because this don't make no sense. Um, I'm a creative. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> I believe heavily in education. Um, I always want to see people do their best. Um, I wish nothing but the best for people because mm. I believe there's space for achievement for everyone. And I truly believe that not as just a tagline. Um, I'm a business owner and, um, I don't know, you know what? I'm still trying to figure that out daily. Mm. So you say you spoke, you spoke on, you love education and everything like that. So what's your educational background? Talk to us a little bit about that. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I grew up in an area in Palm Beach County called Riviera Beach, Florida. Um, you know, predominantly black neighborhood, working class black people. And um, I went to school for the younger years in predominantly black, predominantly black schools. And then middle school, high school took me to basketball, took me to uh, high schools more in the white areas. So I was pretty decent. So they took me over to the magnet schools. Mm. Um, so I went into a magnet high school where I focused in on sports administration, um, sports management and administration. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So I was learning how to put together like major events for sporting and things like that. And mm -hmm. um, after I finished high school, I went on to college at the Great Bethune-Cookman University. Go Wildcats. 
uh, in Daytona Beach. And I was there for four years. I gained a degree in business administration. I pledged my sorority, which is at Barbada. Um, then after that, the recession hit. So when I graduated out of college, there were no jobs. Um, and honestly, truly, I was trying to figure my way out, figure my path out, because I hadn't had a lot of guidance and direction. So um, I ended up going to the police academy. I had a fraternity brother who was actually in the, he was, he had already become a police officer. He graduated early and became an officer. And I called him and I said, you know, trying to figure it out. He said, well, try a ride along. So I went and rode along. I said, all right, cool. Well, this is what we're doing. So hey, shout out to Ice Cube and Kevin Hart. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, this is what we're doing. So I went to the police academy and I worked, I went to police academy and I worked at Walmart while I was putting myself through the academy. Mm. Uh, then after I got done in the academy, I ended up getting hired on an agency in Daytona Beach in Florida and um, did that for several years. And then I went on to decide I didn't want to do that anymore. And then I transitioned out and went to law school at FAMU. And that was a ride, a wild ride. Yeah. Uh, then after that period of time, um, I went to Pace University for my LLM in land, environmental land use and sustainable development. And uh, now we're here. Hey, glad to have you. <laughs> yo like it was a ride yeah for real so i'm like okay so with housing strategy like and just the world of that like how does your llm like best serve what you do now in the workforce in your workspace well um in housing strategy basically what i'm doing is i'm looking at the market i'm looking at the government i'm looking at the stakeholders in the community. I'm having conversation with the CEO. I'm trying to balance all the interests of everybody. And I'm trying to put together a plan to move them forward. Basically, I'm in charge of creating the vision and proposing the vision. Mm. And then the CEO has to decide whether she wants to accept the vision and move forward or no, scrap it, go back to the drawing board. So my degree plays into it because particularly the land use element of it, mm -hmm. you learn a lot about how the land use process works, the political side of it, because land use is very political. Um, it's mm -hmm. not as, it's legal, but it's not as legal. It's more politics in, involved. Um, so you start to learn about that. You learn about the different players. You learn about how the process is working then in the environmental. You start to learn about like the different review processes you have to go through before you have, you can actually build anything. So you get, a, you get exposed to all of those different parts of it. Yeah. And how long, and like for those specific parts when it comes to land and things like that, like that could take up to like how long until like yeah. you can actually start building. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was assuming. It could take years depending on what the site is. If if they mm -hmm. run into some type of environmental review problems, it could be a, it could be a lot of stuff. Mm. So like, what are some environmental problems that have come up? I'm not, we are not doing that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, no, I'll just say I'm in the early phases of my career, so right. I haven't run into a whole lot of stuff yet. But it's it real. can be it could be an array of things. Respect. So you talk about you went to Bethune Cookman Police Academy, FAMU, and Pace. It's a lot of education within those four occupations, and four, just really, if we really be honest, because a student is an occupation, folks. If you didn't know. 
Student is occupation. So, like, what made you want to just like stick with education for that long? And stay what? Yeah, stay in it. Cause like I know, like for some people, it's like, oh, I got my bachelor's, I'm done. Like I ain't doing this no more. Like, but like for you, it's just like I'm still hungry. Um. No, I was that person. My bachelor's <laughs> was it, bit dog. Like we was finished. We was we was out the dough. I ain't gonna. I'm not gonna say that. Ooh, no. When I finished that BS, I said, oh, we hot. We, we okay. Hot. Um, cause I wanted to go work in entertainment and stuff like that, but that wasn't my path. It didn't happen for me. Uh, really it was, <laughs> I always say it's grace and circumstance, bro. I, 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 it sounds cliche, but it's true. I didn't plan on going to get no law degrees. I didn't mm. plan on becoming a police officer. This was some, I always say, I say it all the time and I joke around. I'm living somebody else's life. And I mean that sincerely cause I didn't plan this stuff out. The only mm -hmm. thing I planned out was a business degree and owning a business. Everything after that was God. It was not my design. Mm -hmm. And I get, you know, I've, I've gotten signs and things have happened along the way to kind of guide me. And I just was having to walk by faith. And it's mm -hmm. literally been faith. <laughs> and that's been it. So to answer your question, that that's it. I didn't, I stuck with education because it kept leading me through another door. One mm -hmm. door would open, it would lead me to the next door. And it's like, okay, we'll go do this. Okay, why? I don't know. Okay, well, I'm going to go do it because the door is open. So I just kept answering the call. I'm sorry, I got to let that breathe for a second. <laughs> because it's the fact that, like, that's a, that's such a very big thing that you just pointed out. How, like, okay, doors just kept opening. So I just kept going through the door. So, like, how do you feel, like, going through those doors is like serving you even now? How do I feel like it is serving me? Um, yeah. It's trying. It's mm. trying um, because it's forcing me to get extremely uncomfortable. I walk into a lot of spaces where um, people like me don't exist or there are very few people like me or um, things that you didn't expect to happen, happen, right? Because like you always get the high side of everything. Like, right. oh, you're going to become this, but you don't find out that this could also happen. You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't calculate that. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so you get the positive and negatives of walking through the door. Um, it served me well because it has expanded me as a person. I would mm -hmm. definitely say that. It expanded me way beyond who I ever thought I would become. Um it walked me into places I didn't know existed. It, it has stretched me. Um, mm. and, but it has not been without cost. Let me go mm. and take that part. Hey, yeah. That's real. So just to circle, circle back to it's just like where you're at now with housing strategy, like how does that best serve the community? How does it best serve the community? Yeah. Well, I do affordable housing. So... It best serves the community because I give people the opportunity to attain that American dream. They can have somewhere to live. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's affordable housing has so many different types of um, so many different things about it, so many different elements and ways, you know, but, you know, specifically living in New York City. There's nowhere to live that's cheap. There, it isn't. You could be a, a lawyer. You could be a doctor. You could be a teacher. 
and you're still going to be paying crazy, crazy money, and it's still outrageous. So um, that's how it benefits the community. It gives them the ability to be able to attain the American dream and find somewhere safe and comfortable to live where they can uh, support their family and not be broke. I got to clap that up. <laughs> got to clap that up. So let's talk about I did it for the hood a little bit. What's up? So what what do you aspire to do with did it for the hood like what's the what's the vision what is the vision well i can't give you all the sauce of course for the pieces of the sauce i can give you give me a little alfredo i i, I got i got you i drop a little pesto on you a little penne vodka, right <laughs> a little pesto i take pesto what y'all know about pesto let me start <laughs> now, the first the first portion of it is to expand out the podcast. Um, I want this podcast to reach all across the world, not just the continent, just not the U.S., like all across the world. And it's actually starting to do that, you know what I mean, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I want the podcast to expand. I want us to take it and do a live show. Um, and then I want to also take us into um, film and expand into other forms of media. Um, I think that we, there are great stories to tell, and I think that uh, I can lead the helm to tell them in a perspective and a way that only I can do it. Um, that's my goal. I just got excited you talking about it. <laughs> so, like, in just well, let me let me back up though. Let's yeah. Back up. So the reason I say that is because like. The company is pretty much focused around first-generation minority professionals, right. creatives, and and the like, right? And first-generation not meaning, not only meaning first to this country, that's also a plus, but it also means like first college, first, whatever you are, the first in your family, you black or brown, come on in, we welcome you. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of our stories that are missed. And so there are experiences that, I don't think mainstream media has typically captured from us because I don't think they see us in that way. We're pretty much put into these little archetypes of this is what we do. And I've gotten the opportunity through all of my travels of school to go into so many different doors and see so many variations of black and brown. I think that I can tell an interesting story. Mm. And I think that it, it will come from a perspective people don't think of. Mm-hmm. Man. So we're just gonna leave that right there. We'll talk more <laughs> about that offline. But um in the creation of Did It for the Hood, how did it how did it come to be for you? So while I was at FAM, yeah. Um, while I was at FAM, I was running into a lot of different people who had a lot of interesting stories. Um, as to like, you know, people were sleeping in their car to financially be able to afford for a semester. A young lady had an abortion while she was in school, so she could afford to finish school. Um, another woman, young woman told me a story about her interactions being gay in law school and all this kind of things that were coming up. And it, it, it dawned on me, I said, I wonder how many other people have these type of stories or types of experiences that they want to talk about. Mm. Or I wonder how many people are going through these type of situations and they feel alone and they need some type of community or tribe to feel like they relate to. Um, and so that's where the whole model for Did It For The Hood came from, um, because people don't realize Did It For The Hood is not only the hood as in your neighborhood, but it's that hood that you receive, they put around your neck when you're graduating from college. Those colors, that's a hood. 
Um, so a lot of people do it for their hood. They're the first generation to do it, or they had to do it alone, or you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're their tribe. So that's where it came from. And that's where the idea came from. And you know, we started working on the doc back then. I still have a lot of that footage. We're gonna put it together at some point. Um, but yeah, that's where it came from. Mm. Man. Why so I feel like I know the answer, but like at least what inspired what inspires you about like just people's stories in general? Like what inspires me about them? Yeah, or just like what what led you to want to tell people's stories or like wanted to like hear their stories? I find people so interesting. Um, I've been blessed with the ability to have a listening ear and people will tell me their stories. And I feel like that's a gift. When you're given that gift, your job is to handle their stories with care. Right. So when a person is willing to open up and tell you, hey, this happened to me, blah, 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 you know, whatever the story is. I have a responsibility as a person that's been given the gift to listen to, you know, handle their story and put it out. Um, and I just, I, I think also from working with, I worked with high school students and young adults quite a bit during the course of my career mm -hmm. in the back, in the backdrop. I always saw them too. They, a lot of them, a lot of them were, were and are so amazing, but they come from these situations where they can't see themselves as great. Like they can't see the greatness in themselves. I had a mentee tell me something that made, it brought me to tears when she said it. She said, you know what? <clears throat> when you used to work with us, she said, everybody used to look at us like we were trash, but you always looked at us like we were diamonds in the rough. So it's, it's important to me to tell these type of stories because I need them to know that that thing that they want to achieve is not as far as they think. Right. It's just going to take work. And there are people who have achieved it and they have a story and they look like you, mm -hmm. but it wasn't easy, but it's not impossible. Right. So that's one of the reasons why storytelling is such a big thing for me. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful. talking about this. <laughs> Cause I don't think I've ever heard this at all either. Like I've never knew like, the full scape of why. You know oh, I never told you this? I thought we did. Oh. Well, yeah, but this hey, is it. You know? So that's Learn beautiful. New. You know what I'm saying? So, gonna get a little nitty gritty. Oh, boy. As far as the challenges that you faced along the way, what, <laughs> is, what are some things that you've had to face, endure, etc.? cetera? Uh, what have found challenges I faced and endured? You know, when you live a life like I've lived, you run into a lot of stuff, not intentionally, just because, you know, the more you live, the more you encounter. Right. Um, my first obstacle has always been myself. Right. Perfectionism city, baby. Perfectionism city. <laughs> I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be perfect. Uh, right. You hear the critics in your head, but the biggest critic is yourself. Oh, my um, God. That's nope. been an obstacle, but you know what? I, I said it to you and I'm, I'm embracing it for myself. Good is better than good is better than perfect. Oh, yeah. So putting something out is better than waiting on perfection. Right. So that's the number one obstacle. The next obstacle of my life, um, which is also pours into why the company is important is um, lack of guidance, lack of guidance. 
I have my parents, you know, and they hardworking black folks. They did the best they could, but a lot of the places I've been, my parents haven't gone. Mm. So they didn't know how to guide me. Um, they took me as far as they could take me. And being different, you know, LGBTQ, black, female, people mentor you based on seeing themselves in you. And for a very long time, people didn't see themselves in me. I'm about to throw something it's across the truth. this room. But it's the yeah, truth. it is the truth. They see themselves and they're like, oh, I can help. Right. But they didn't see themselves in me. Um, so a lot of the lot of the path I had to walk by grace <laughs> and by faith. So um, I think that was one of the major obstacles, which is why also why this mentor, I mean, um, this company is important to like creating a guiding light. Um, other issues, I mean, obstacles. Uh, <laughs> uh, while I was in law school, I found out I had ADHD. Didn't know that. Found that out as an adult. But it made sense when I thought back on how challenging high school was for me in like the younger years. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's why, you know. And then it laid the foundation actually for strategy because. I figured out a bazillion strategies to make it through school. I mean, I was that girl. You understand me? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I figured it out. Because one thing I do, it doesn't matter what the situation is. One thing that I, I've been blessed with for God is that I don't quit at nothing. So it's either we get through or we get through. Like, <laughs> so that's the whole, you know, that's the vibes for me. Um, other obstacles, feeling, you know, getting into that place of being isolated, um, mm. you know, getting into the isolation space where I, I went through some really dark times in my life and, you know, I've been brought out of them, but it left me in a space of like, I spend a lot of time alone. I'm very introspective, um, you know, doing internet stuff, reading, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be, working, movies, um, you know. Those are some of the basic ones. Gotcha. Heard that. So since you said yourself, like, it's either we're going to get through it or we're going to get through it. So what are some things that motivate you to get through it? My family. Mm. My family. That is literally the only thing that motivates me. Love you, cousin. Okay, great. You're, something's wrong with you. Anywho, yes. Love you. Love you, too. But yeah, no, that's the only thing that motivates me for real is my family. Because matter of fact, a, a person said to me, they were like, they were asking me about a former friendship and they were like, oh, yeah, that probably motivated you to do X, Y, Z. I said, that type of stuff don't move me. Um, mm. That don't move me. Like the next generation moves me. Thinking about my potential kids. I don't have kids, but the kids I will have someday. Thinking about them. Thinking about the next generation after me. Thinking about my parents getting older. That's the stuff that moves me and makes me want to go forward. And that's why I won't stop because it's literally a thing of get rich or die trying. And like get rich for me is not even a financial thing. Like, yes, I want to be financially successful, but rich is a rich life. Like being able to travel around the world, being able to do for my family as necessary and just being able to be comfortable. Yeah. Come on. Man, <laughs> I'm so like, I feel so like, just, What's going on I, with you? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like, I feel like it's just blessed. Appreciate feel blessed it. having this conversation with you. That's all it is. For sure. But um, 
Hmm. Is there anything that you wish you had done differently on your journey so far? I wish I had a map. Um, I always try not to get too in my head about the stuff that I could have done differently. Yeah. Because you can't go back. And I'm a pioneer. I heard a woman say that a while ago. She's like, you're a pioneer and pioneers don't have a map. And when you ain't got a map, you just have to figure it out because nobody was in front of you. And you have no guy. So that's that. I wish yeah. I could have been more intentional, but I didn't know what intentionality was. Uh, again, I was living step by step. So, but I did it so my kids won't have to. So they will have all the intentionality in the world, the prep schools, the tutors, whatever it is that they need. Um, because I now know, because the door has been broken down with me. Hey, and we keep knocking that door down till it's off the hinges and on the ground. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so now we get to know a little bit more about you a little bit more. So outside of your career, what are you interested in? What am I interested in outside of my career? Music and entertainment is obviously, honestly, my love outside of my career. Um, if I could go back to the beginning, that would have been all I did. Mm. I would have been, I would have moved to New York when I was 21 years old and I would have been out here striking it. That's what I would have done. I would have been a manager. I would have been, um, you know, promoting clubs because that's what actually what I did in college. Mm -hmm. I did do that in college. We promoted, we were promoters for a local rapper and a club. Those who know what Backstage is. Uh, it was a club in Daytona Beach called Backstage. We used to promote them and, and uh, one of the local rappers and also interned at like a local magazine. Mm. but i didn't go any further with it but that's pretty much what was wrong i'm just like why you not even why but like you just do this i don't know what that means <laughs> like like you do like you do this thing like yeah where it's just like, i mean you it, like you get in the space and just like turn up. yeah bro you know what i will say this Things people would be surprised to know about me. I'll say this. As as much as it aggravates me, all these different places that I've been to, like it aggravates me so much. I have a I have amassed a wealth of knowledge to give to the next generation. That's yeah. another reason why the whole podcast and everything. Like I've gotten behind doors and been in so many places and spaces where people are like, oh, I want to be this. I'm like, well, I can kind of tell you a little bit about that. I want to be this. I can tell you a little bit about that too. I, can, I might not be able to put tell you everything, but I can push you in the direction yeah. of that. Um, I don't know. I just I don't know. I believe I believe wherever you want to be, go to the space where they are. So if you want to be a rapper, go where the rappers dwell. You want to be a lawyer, go right. where the lawyers at. Like that's the only way you're gonna get there. Yeah. Come on. Hmm. <laughs> What is something people would be surprised to know about you? That's what you just asked me. Surprised though? Ain't that what you just said? Like something that like uh-uh. I said what you interested in. Oh, what are they surprised to know about me? Yeah. Um surprised to know about me. Like something that's so like far left that people be like, what? Something my favorite word is llama. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm out. Pause the podcast. <laughs> the word makes me smile every time. I have no idea why. <laughs> Yo. Hey, y'all heard it here first. T Hardaway 561. Love the word llama. I have no idea why. What? No idea why, bro. I literally went down a rabbit hole today looking at llamas and alpacas. Trying to figure out what the difference was. No joke. Let me I'm sorry. let me explain because that could come off really strange. I was on the I was on the I was on YouTube and I was watching. I was on YouTube and I'd be watching the videos where they'd be like shearing the sheep and stuff. Yeah. And, I, and they I'm flipping through and the lady was shearing a llama, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then it took me down a rabbit hole. I was like, oh, alpaca. Well, what's the difference? They look the same. Then I went down a rabbit hole to figure out that alpacas are smaller than llamas. Are they like cousins? Yeah, they're in the same family. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I'm sorry. I went down an elephant rabbit hole yesterday. Don't judge me. That's no, crazy. I'm not judging you at all. It's just funny. Like, I'm like llama out of all words. That is my favorite word is llama. <laughs> oh, my God. Woo. Oh, man. <laughs> You weren't ready for that one. <laughs> oh, I like that. It caught me so off guard. I'm, like, I'm trying to get back. Oh. oh, okay. So, out of all the things that you've had to go through, that you've experienced in your life, what would you say is probably the greatest obstacle that you've overcome? Um, that's such a question. Um, I don't know. That's a great one. I've been so it's been so many different levels of it, man. Uh, the obstacle of getting ready to go to law school. The first. Mm -hmm. That was a rough, that was a whole rough ordeal to get there. Um, I was a policeman at the time. And during that time period, I had gotten very disgruntled. Not the not the police department didn't do nothing to me, but I just got into a place where I was tired. You know, it's hard being a black woman in that profession. And I give everybody the kudos and love and respect who's still in the profession, mm -hmm. but it was wearing on me. Um, and so I had gotten to a place where I was ready to get out. Well, not necessarily get out of there, but just get out and go to a different department. Mm. And um, randomly one night, <laughs> me and my my uh my zone partner at the time, it was like two, three in the morning, and we pull up next to each other, car to car, like you know, cops do to sit there and talk to each other. And we were being disgruntled, um, talking about we're gonna look for other careers. What can we do? And we on our computer googling, and he writes. I think I'm going to be an IT. He sees the IT jobs. I said, that's cool. Mm. I think I'm going to be a lawyer. And it laid a, it laid a, a seed in my spirit, placed a seed in my spirit. Because after that, like a week later, I went and, um, I went and bought the LSAT for Dummies book. Mm. And then after I bought the book, 
I sat down and looked at it and I saw how difficult it was. And I politely laid that thing right in the closet. Because I said, I'm not doing this because it's hard. Um, fast forward a little bit, though, I put in an application to another police department, got all the way to the end of the process and did not get the job. It sent me into a depression, a deep depression. Um, literally, all I was doing was sleeping on my couch, going to work, you know. Mm. And at some point in that, something told me to go get that book. So I went in that closet, I grabbed that book, and I opened it. And I said, you know what? This may be difficult, but it's not impossible. So then I called my live sister who had gone to school, and she had gone to law school before me, and I asked her how she prepped for it. And she told me. So I went and joined the class that she joined. It was in Orlando, which was an hour away from my house in Daytona. And so I would commute every Thursday for about two to three months um, to that class because I was hungry. Mm. And um, I got, I did okay on the test. It wasn't nothing fancy. And so I decided, all right, God, I'm going to take every step. Like, if you take me to the next step, I'm going to go to the next step. So I took the test. I said, all right, I did all right. I'm not taking it again. So if I get into law school, I'll go. Five to seven schools, got in four. I said, okay. So got a step. But then I froze. I was like, I'm not not going to do this. And I sat on my couch one day, and I got a call from FAMU. And the young lady was on the end of the line. She said, hi, I'm from FAMU, blah, blah, blah. just want to welcome you. Whoop. And I said, okay, cool. And she stops and says, hey, is your name Tyranny? And then she says my whole name. And then she says the high school. Well, did I go to this high school? I said, yeah, I was at the high school. She says, oh, well, this is such and such. I hadn't talked to this young lady since high school. Mm. I was a late student. I didn't go to law school until I was 29. So I hadn't seen this girl since I was like 17. And she just says, I just want you to know that everything's going to be fine. And if you need anything, you can call me. She was an RT. Let me back up. She went to high school with me. And she was an RTC student with me. I hadn't seen this girl since high school. And she said, my name came across her desk. And she figured I was the only one with that name. And she wanted to reach out. But it's crazy. 12 years later. That's what I'm saying. And you still like, oh, yeah. Hey, what's good? Like. Yeah. Wow. Well, we were RTC together. RTC is kind of close-knit. So it mm -hmm. wasn't a person you was just going to forget. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I looked at, I, I hung up the phone with her and I was like, all right, God, well, I guess I'm going to school. And so, mm -hmm. but a, an interesting obstacle that arose when I got there, I'm going to give y'all a little trick. I'm not a little trick, but a little insight. What people don't tell you is difficult about law school is that the first year of law school, they breaking you down to build you up. And they breaking you down. <laughs> I mean, you're going to read like you've never read in your life. And um, all I can say is that God was with me the, the whole way. Like, there's so, I don't even have time to tell you there's so many stories where God's grace intervened. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'll give you one more quick one. When the early parts of me going to school, early parts of me going to school, I was um, still trying to figure everything out. Like it was a, it was a blur, a blur. And I sat at my table one night and I said, God, I need help. I need help. I need help. Now, one of the reasons why this is very 
uh, important is because I'm not a person that likes asking for help. I'm not one of those people. I don't enjoy it. It's not fun. It's not a great pastime. Um, so I'm sitting at this table and I said, God, I need help. But I'm I'm pleading from my heart. Like I'm pleading. Like I need help. And literally, maybe two days later, a girl from my class comes and says, hey, there's this book for this class. Such and such is selling the book. She said, meet her in the lobby because I've been asking about this book. She's like, all right, cool. I said, cool. I go down to the lobby. I never met this girl before. I didn't know this girl. She was just selling a book. Girl gives me the book. And she says, you have a mentor? I said, no, I don't have a mentor. She said, you're new here, right? I said, yeah, I'm new. It's my first year. She said, do you need help? I said, mm -hmm. yeah, I do. And she was my mentor for the rest of the time I was in law school. That's why I said, yeah. well, <laughs> it happened like that the whole way. Like, I have mm -hmm. so many stories of things like that happening. Yeah. It just yeah. kept happening like that. So those were some of the biggest obstacles I overcame by grace. <laughs> Let's clap it up for grace, y'all. You're so hilarious, bro. Clap it up for grace. So, so for a person that wants to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you give them? You're tougher than whatever the circumstance is. You about to scream? No, and I mean that legitimately. You are tougher than whatever the circumstance is. Whatever you're going through at the moment, it's just momentary. It'll pass. This too shall pass. The good moments will pass. The bad moments will pass. You just got to stay in the fight. And if you stay in the fight long enough, it'll come to pass for you. What is wrong with your eyes, Michael? Because I want to scream. Scream? I resonated with that so much just now. I say in the fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh. Would you say that's also like a motto or like what are some words that you live by? It's my motto, my personal motto. Mm -hmm. Oh, you said very simple. You said I can't, therefore I must. And I say that to myself often because I have been People love to place limitations on me, and I love to exceed them. Um, that's another thing I would tell anybody that's walking behind me. God gave you a vision. God didn't give it to other people. So people have a level that they think that you should arrive on, and God has a different one. So don't ever measure yourself by the expectations of man. Hmm. Because what you know, you know what you see. You know what you see. You're not wrong. And you're going to run into people that try to deter you. You might even get pushed off track a few times. But stay in the fight. That's it. Just stay in the fight. Why are you looking at me like that? Because I'm just receiving. Mm, for sure. Nah. But no. For sure. You, it's hard, bro. It's, the journey is not easy. I'm not going to sit here and act like it was, it's was. it been a dance in ballet. Not at all. Um, but it's been worth it. It's, it's very much worth it. The stretch, the change, the evolution, the vision. It's been worth yeah. it. It's just not free. And that's another thing that I want to emphasize, too, with the stories. It's not free. You can attain all these things, but they require something in exchange. And you got to be willing to wake up and do the work. Period. 
I guess you're receiving some more. <laughs> One thing about me, I'm learning to just shut up and just, just listen. I feel that. It's a it's a moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yo. This was a oh. great talk. <laughs> Welcome to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. On your platform. For sure. For sure. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I just want I just want others to know that no matter what they're going through, that it's so important for me for people to understand that no matter what your situation is or what you're trying to achieve, you got it in you. You got to find it. You might even feel like you lost it, <laughs> but you got it in you and it's there and people going to try to take it from you, but you don't let them have it. Always. Always stay in the fight. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all. Yeah. That was a great interview with the one and the only T Hardaway 561. Instagram, Twitter, whatever your socials are, let these folks know. Well, my Twitter is T Hardaway 561, and I'm never on there, but go ahead and tweet me anyway. So to say, uh, like, girl, I'm, ne I'm never on the Twitter. I, I respect the Twitter, but, uh, and I'm calling it the Twitter on purpose. Um, it's just not a good place for me. I enjoy Instagram, Facebook, and uh, a little bit of TikTok. All of them say did it for the hood or yeah. T Hardaway. Five six one, whichever one. Y'all can go on for some motivational talks with you all the way five six one, or if you want to get some content for Did It for the Hood, Did It for the Hood website. You'll see Mike on there as my co-host. Um, yeah, man, we yeah. out here. You already know. I guess I should give my wise words. Indubitably. All right. Well, we'll go ahead with the wise words then. Uh -uh. Wise words from T Hardaway. I need to get myself a drop. <laughs> nice, Mike. Thank you. Go ahead, talk for talk for the people. Looks like they don't like that. Oh man, you know what? Based on the conversation, um, just every 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 day is an opportunity for you to continue your journey. And just because it didn't happen for you yesterday doesn't mean it won't happen today. And if it doesn't happen today, it doesn't mean it won't happen tomorrow. But it definitely won't happen if you quit. Those are my last words. I'm T. Hardaway. And I'm Michael Basile. And we got the Did It For The Hood podcast. Indeed, baby. Something wrong with